To God be all the glory. What a day. It's a special day. Hallelujah. You are all welcome in the name of the Lord. Can you turn to your neighbor and smile to your neighbor? Are you ready? Prof. Manasseh, thank you so much for bringing me back. <laughs> and thank you for believing in me. <laughs> we, we, try, we, we bless God and praise God for your life. And uh, mommy, we, we, we are proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. You're all welcome. I came with my team, distinguished men of God. There are so many, I cannot mention all their names. I can't mention all their names. Uh, but my, my wonderful friend, Dr. Baini, is here. <laughs> and my beloved wife, Hallelujah. Praise God. To God be all the glory. Hallelujah. Can you lift your right hand to the Father? Father, we celebrate your grace. You've done much for us beyond telling. To the praise of the glory of your grace, wherein you have made us accepted in the beloved. Abba Father thank you that you so loved us that you sent your son thank you that hearing his love not that we loved God but God loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for us and he is a propitiation the satisfaction for our sins not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Thank you. That without all controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. That you came down to us. You manifested in the flesh. Oh, thank you for the wonders of your love. The beauties of your love. The splendors of your love. The magnificence of your love. Oh, the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and the love of Christ that passeth knowledge. Oh, Romo Shakarama Telebataka Tikeme Komatai. Oh, Roma Shakata. Thank you for the unsearchable riches of your grace. Oh, Mama Yetebu Shata. Thank you for such vast inheritance you have bequeathed to us. The vast array of divine resources. Unfathomable. You have loved us. Dear Jesus, thank you for the cross. Oh, thank you for the cross. And thank you for what you represent for us before the Father. Thank you. That you have elevated us. You have enthroned us. We are co-seated in your executive authority. We are sharers of your throne. Partakers of your throne. 
divele toro okoba kakaka samasana shiala mamareme su atama amale edevala sude a oh for scarcely for a righteous man will one die or for a good man some will dare even to die ele teba mama shabata but god commended his love to us as that while we are sinners christ died for the ungodly Oromomo shamama titi kamatanda. Oh, you are good. You are good. And who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord being revealed? He shall grow up before him as a root and as a tender plant out of a dry ground. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Oromama shamamamba. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with our grief. Yet we did esteem him smitten, stricken of God and afflicted. Rondo shat idabakta shabarati city. Surely, Oromo Shamba, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yandama Shamba Rabatifa Tande, who is like unto you? Oh mama, who is like unto you? Oh Ramama Sha. You were led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before your chariots. He opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. And he made his grave with the rich and the, with the wicked in his death. Because he has done no violence. Neither was there any deceit in his mouth. And he shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. Roma, Shambara, Tibaka, Tibatama, Yebetema, Amama. Oh, Mama, Nama, Sanda, Bakata. You are the seed of the woman. You have crushed the head of the serpent. That the scriptures might be fulfilled. You said, I test. And when you have drunk, you said, It is finished. Oh, 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 it is finished. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Oh, it is finished. 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 Mama Shomborobo Shambara Bakamba Tamba 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 Ebe Tamba Mambo Shemba in the consummation of the ages. Oramamba in the end of the world, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Randa Bashamba Batamba but this man, after he had offered up one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down. For such an high priest became us. Olanda, 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 Olanda. 
Abashanda, for if the blood of bulls and of goat and the ashes of an hyphen sprinkling the unclean sanctify it unto the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot unto God, purge our consciences from dead works to serve the living God? Oh Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, the advocate, oh Jesus, the advocate, oh Jesus, the high priest, oh Jesus, the Lamb of God, oh Jesus, 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 He is exalted uplifted transcendent jesus roma shamba raba tebe kore batate yeme akta shure abatati bisonde himalata himalata tumarata tumarata jesus jesus the prince of life the prince of paradise the captain of our salvation, the quintessence of all light, Jesus. My beloved is mine, and I'm and I'm his, and his desire is upon me. Oh the gospel of the glory of the blessed God thank you father for the gospel of your glory you have done it all for us thank you father in Jesus name the son of the living God hallelujah hallelujah praise the Lord Hallelujah. First Timothy 1.11 says, According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which is committed to my trust. According to the gospel of the glory of the blessed God, which is committed to my trust. You know, the word blessed is the word for happy. In the Greek is happy. So you read it this way, according to the the glory, the gospel of the glory of the happy God. God is tell never God is happy. When Jesus accomplished the work, the Father is happy. So the gospel is the gospel of the happy God. <laughs> the gospel of the happy God. God is happy. Because it is finished. You have to learn to see what God sees. 
God's, God is a fit God. What he sees is what his son has accomplished. Not what the devil is doing. He's the happy God. See from the eye of faith and see how God sees. So I brought you the gospel of the happy God. <laughs> the day you get to know God is happy, you will be happy. Yeah. Because God's inflexible justice has been satisfied because of the blood. God is just, yet he's also love. He's love, he's also just. But the cross of Christ is the love of God paying ransom to the justice of God. God's justice has been satisfied. His justice is on our side today. Oh, that God will open our eyes to see what Jesus has accomplished. That we walk daily in joy. Even though situations are not as we expect, yet in our heart we reign over them. Knowing it is done. Our heart prevails. We rejoice daily. Hallelujah. Now when Jesus rose from the dead, the first word that fell from his lips to those women, before he met the apostles, he said, all hail. That's what he said first, all hail. In Matthew 28 verse 9, which actually means rejoice. The first word that fell from his lips is rejoice. Rejoice. What? He has finished the work. But you see, your joy is founded and embedded upon revelation. He rose up and said, all hail. Tell your neighbor, rejoice. Because the works are finished. Praise God. All right, turn with me to the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 11. Galatians 5, 11 said, And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I suffer persecution? Then his offense of the cross ceased. I'm speaking on, on the subject, the scandal of grace. The scandal of grace. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense. Now, the word offense is the Greek word scandalon. You know, offense is the Greek word scandalon. And uh, when it is anglicized or transliterated, when you bring it into English, it's the word, it's the word scandal. So then is the scandal of the cross ceased. Hallelujah. When we talk about the cross, we are talking about grace. So the scandal of grace. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I suffer? If I preach circumcision, why do I suffer persecution? Then is the scandal of the cross ceased. Now, what is circumcision? Circumcision. Look at verse 3. The same chapter, verse 3. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. 
Okay. I testify to, again to every man who is circumcised that he is obligated, he is obliged to keep the whole law. So, circumcision actually was the entrance into, into Judaism. And some circumcision represents the whole system of the law. So, the whole system of merit, which is the system of the law, together, we call it circumcision. Because circumcision is what ushers into it. Praise God. So when he says, mentions circumcision, he's talking about the law. So let's go back. So Apostle Paul said, Brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, circumcision, why do I suffer persecution? So you can just put the word law to replace it. If I preach the law, why do I yet suffer persecution? Yeah. Paul is saying, if I preach the law, why do I? If you preach the law, you will never suffer persecution. That's what he's saying. The whole book of Galatians was the, the contrast of law and grace. Because apparently, the Galatian church had drifted from grace and they had come under the law. And uh, Paul was very wild on them. Because he knew what it meant. So he said that if I preach the law, there will be no persecution. The reverse is true. If I preach grace, there will be persecution. He says, if I preach the law, why do I suffer persecution? It's a question. He's saying he doesn't preach the law. Then is the offense of the cross seized. So he says that if I preach the law, the scandal of the cross will stop. The scandal of the cross will cease to function if I preach the law. Hallelujah. But when you preach grace, the scandal of the cross will go on. And persecution will go on. That's what Paul is saying. <laughs> I know what scandal is. Scandalon. It's an offense. But... Uh, a scandal is something that is uh, unacceptable, publicly, ethically, morally, judicially, unaccepted. It is that which provokes the outrage of the public. For instance, if, let's say, a known politician embezzles some money somewhere or steals the, the nation's kind of money that belongs to the nation and it, it becomes public, we call it a scandal. Everyone talks about it. And everyone says, this is unacceptable. And people get angry. Why would he he do that? So that is the public outreach. It is unacceptable. How can it be? That's a scandal. Hallelujah. Apostle Paul says that. If he preaches grace, the self-righteous and the legalist can't accept it. Because they see, they see that this is too good. This is too, it's too far. It's too vast. It's too wide. It's too good. No. So whenever he preaches grace, there's an offense. And that offense, why are they offended? Because to them, it is not accepted. It is too far. Hallelujah. <laughs> and that was the reason for all of us persecution. Praise God. 
Now, the stumbling block to grace is the law. So that you may think you are working in grace, but all you know, you have mixed it up. Mixed it up. For grace to be grace, grace must be grace alone. <laughs> Otherwise, it is no more grace. <laughs> now, how does the law operate? The law. It's so vast and dynamic. The law is good, the law is holy, the law is righteous. But the law was not given to make man good, holy, and righteous. The law was given to expose man. The law is like a mirror. If you look into the mirror, you can see all the mistakes on your face. But the mirror will never help you remove the mistakes from your face. So that is the law. The law is a mirror. It shows you all your errors and faults but can never help you. So the law, the law was given to expose man so the man will see his wretchedness and weakness and lead man to Christ. It was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. But many subconsciously still uphold the law so they can't appreciate the grace of God. Let me explain the law in simple terms. I, I will explain the law by what I call the Canaanite principle. The Canaanite principle. Remember, when God brought Israel from Egypt, the goal was to get them to the promised land, which is Canaan. Hallelujah. The promised land was a land of rest. So they got out of the Red Sea and they were headed towards the promised land. Their inheritance, which was a land of rest. The promised land is not a type of heaven. It's a type of our inheritance. Uh, In Christianity, we are not marching to Canaan. Yeah. Canaan is not heaven. It's not a type of heaven because (laughs) there are no enemies in heaven. There are no fighting in heaven. They have to fight their enemies (laughs) and possess Canaan. (laughs) Now, in going to the promised land, it was a land of rest. But when they got there, it was a land of Canaan. They had to now destroy the Canaanites before they could dwell in the land. So, the Canaanites were a stumbling block to their inheritance, to their rest. Are you following? Now, understand that the very first mention of grace in the Bible is Genesis 6 verse 8, which says that and Noah found grace. Genesis 6 verse 8 the law first mentioned, the very first time grace is mentioned. And it is mentioned with rest. Genesis 6 verse 8. It is mentioned with rest. Grace and rest are mentioned together. But you are asking, where is the rest? The word Noah, amazingly, in Hebrew, is one of the words for rest. There are three words in Hebrew for rest. One of them is Noah. So many places where rest is used, the word Noah is used. And that happens to be Noah's name. So, and Noah found grace, literally, and rest found grace. Rest found grace. Now, in grace, you find rest. The promised land, the place of rest, was the place of God's grace. Because it was a land of rest. 
it was a place of God's grace. It is in grace that we find rest. Rest is in grace. Grace gives us rest. But the number one stumbling block to that inheritance for them to enjoy grace was the Canaanite. And God said they had to destroy them. And we know that whatsoever things were written of all time were written for our learning that we through the patience and the comfort of the scriptures might have hope. And the Bible says that they were written as our examples, our types. They are types to us. What is the meaning of the Canaanite? The, word, the name Canaan, you know what it means? Butter trade. Canaan means butter trade. Now, do you remember? You know about the butter trade. Ghana has once dealt, we, we studied that Ghana has one, once dealt with the butter trade. You know the butter trade? Yeah, I have Gary, but you have sugar. So, um, I also need sugar. So, I bring some of my garries and trade with you, butter trade, so they can give me some of your sugar. You need Gary, I need sugar. So, I give you Gary and you give me sugar. That's butter trade. <laughs> I have cassava, I have plantain, you have beans. So, I bring you the plantain, you give me your beans. Yeah. <laughs> that's, butter, that's butter system. How many know, if you know, know about the butter system? You are aware of the butter system, yeah. We, ne- we didn't come to meet it, so. <laughs> you take your bag of rice to go for oil from somewhere else. That's butter. Butter trade. Now, Canaan, the name Canaan in Hebrew is a word for butter trade. But this time around, trading with God. Doing better trade with God. And uh, that is what God wanted them to destroy. Before they could enjoy rest and grace. And that is what a lot of believers do. They are better trading with God. You know what it means? It's a whole system of merit. It's like telling God, I, I need God to do something for me. I need a blessing for, for, from God. But let me do this so that God can look upon it and give, give me the blessing. So let me give God this so that God will give that to me. I need a job. I really need a job. Um, all right. Let me go and find work in the Sunday school department. And serve actively. And serve actively. Maybe God will see my faithfulness and give me a job. I need a husband. All right. Let me join the welfare team in the church. And become very active. All you know, God will look up on my faithfulness and give me a husband. <laughs> Butter trade. I've been looking for health, healing. Okay, this is what I'll do. Let me read the Bible constantly so that God will see how faithful I am in reading the Bible and heal me. Hallelujah. Okay. I want to speak in tongues. How do I speak in tongues? Let me fast for 40 days so that God will see how faithful I am 
So he gave him a gift of thanks. Now you see that all the things I've mentioned are wonderful things. They are things we do. They are things that are part of the Christian life. Is that not so? Eh, we have to. Sunday school is a calling. Intercession. All of these things are callings. But you can use these spiritual things as a means to better trade with God. By doing that, you have come under the principle of the law. So there are so many people in the church. And I remember years ago when I was in secondary school, secondary school, I wanted to speak in tongues. They had prayed for me from Jesus to, <laughs> to SS. The thing was not coming. Some of my friends were even doubting whether I was really born again because. So I one day said, this is what I would do. I will undertake a 40-day fast. For God to see how serious I am. <laughs> so in essence, I did 40 days. I didn't, I didn't speak in tongues. It didn't come. I said, God doesn't seem to be convinced. <laughs> so I did another 60 days. <laughs> so 100 days. So that God would look on it to give me tongue speaking. The gift of tongues. God didn't give it to me. I tried. And I gave up. <laughs> One day I was sitting somewhere, I had even eaten enough, I was just thinking of myself before I realized, Kobakata, Rabaso, Bakata. So after school, a brother came to me and said, eh, Say, can you pray for me to speak in tongues? And I said, That was somewhere in Elmina. He came to me and I said, Meet me in that school that room and uh, I'll pray for you but when you're coming don't, don't eat fast and come so he came and it was around one and I told him that this gift is a free gift from God this fasting you fast, you fast was not to end the Holy Ghost it cannot and he said say please can you give me a moment I'm coming so he left I was wondering what he was going to do he came after 45 minutes I said what did you go and do he said I went to eat <laughs> I said, how can I be waiting for you here? <laughs> and I said, all right, stand up and receive it. Say, receive it in Jesus' name. That guy, that's all. He spoke in tongues and spoke and he spoke in tongues and sang in tongues and prophesied all together in one. And I was sitting down envying this guy. Oh, oh. six to one against hundred days. <laughs> So you can use a lot of seemingly spiritual things as a means to butter trade. It's the motive. So many are serving to get blessed. Serving to get blessed. But we don't serve to get blessed. We serve because we are blessed. All right, so if you serve to get blessed, after the blessing has come, what are you going to do? Because your goal has been achieved. We are blessed because Jesus already paid it for us. 
and our service is a consequence of our love for him because he has first loved us. Praise God. So all these things are good. Prayer is wonderful. Fasting is wonderful. But it never uses use it as a better trade. Hallelujah. Now, in Galatians 2 verse 21, Apostle Paul said, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, Christ is dead in vain. What does it mean to frustrate the grace of God? Because if he said, I do not frustrate the grace of God, that means that it is possible for a believer to frustrate the grace of God. Now, the word frustrate is a Greek word, atetio. Atetio. Atetio actually means to set aside, to render as nothing, to nullify, to make void. So put it inside the word. I do not set aside the grace of God. So you can set aside the grace of God. I do not nullify the grace of God. I do not make void the grace of God. So you can be a believer and yet make void the grace of God. Or set aside the grace of God. You see, grace is, you can know the definition of grace from the Amplified Bible. Because Amplified amplifies the words. So when it says grace, the Amplified Version says, unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor, and every earthly blessing. So the Amplified really define grace. You have to check other places. It, is, it, it, it uses it in different places in the New Testament. Here it says unmerited favor, but other places it says every earthly blessing. In other places it says undeserved favor. Favor you cannot deserve. You cannot earn. You cannot merit. And every earthly blessing. In fact, the the word grace is too vast to define. Grace actually is a person, Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, you, you find words like kindness, mercy, loving kindness. But most of the times, the, the Hebrew says hased is grace. All the times where the Bible says, give, oh, give thanks unto the Lord for his mercy and yours forever. Actually, it's not mercy there. All throughout, if you meet any Jew, he will tell you that for his hased and yours forever. His hased, his hased. All the mercies there are actually grace. Hased is grace. And some other versions make it loving kindness, faithfulness, his devotion to us. Every, all of these words are all grace. Undeserved favor, end favor, every earthly blessing. Hallelujah. Now look at the context. I do not set aside the grace of God. Now the law is you doing something for yourself. Grace is what Christ has done for you. The law says do. Grace says done. I do not set aside the grace of God. I don't set aside the unend, unmerited favor of God. For if righteousness come by the law, Christ 
is dead in vain. If righteousness come by my own obedience, Christ is dead in vain. If righteousness come by my own behavior, Christ is dead in vain. If righteousness come by my own conduct, Christ is dead in vain. The Greek says Christ is dead needlessly. You know what it means? So if you could attain your own righteousness, then why did Christ die? He has wasted his death. Because he died for, for you not knowing you could have attained it yourself. So you could have obtained righteousness by your own conduct, by your own obedience. He says Christ died needlessly. It is in vain he died. Knowing you could have attended yourself. Praise God. But you see, Praise God. Nobody can, nobody can end God's standard by the law. And when we say the law, the law, it wasn't just a Ten Commandment. There are 613 laws in the Old Testament. 613 laws. <laughs> and if you break one, you've broken all. Let me show you one of, one of you can commit clothing adultery. Clothing adultery, that is, yeah, the Bible says if you wear, let's say, your underwear is linen, and your outward garment is cotton. You have committed clothing adultery. <laughs> and by that, you have broken the whole law. You have broken 613 laws. All of them together. <laughs> or, or if you sow different seeds in your garden, mingled seeds, you've broken the whole law. Yeah. And if you break one, the law must bring you under a case. Because if the law, the law refuses to bring you under a case, the law is not the law. So anytime you try to merit God's acceptance by what you are doing, the law shows up. Because you've taken the place of the law. So you are saying God should accept you based on your obedience. And you will always fall short. And the law will come and give you that due case. Because as many as are off the works of the law are under a case. So you are doing your best, but you are under a case. But if you say Christ is my righteousness, God measures you by Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> but God, it's good to see you. Somehow, somehow, I didn't see you. <laughs> God bless you, sir. <laughs> Praise God. All right. Galatians 5, verse 4. Christ is become of no effect to you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, he are fallen from grace. And this is one of the most dangerous scriptures you can ever meet. <laughs> it says, Christ is become of no effect to you. Christ is no longer benefiting you. Now, he's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to believers who are saved. They've not lost. They are saved. They are, they are saved. But you can be in a place where Christ is of no effect to you. Christ is of no profit to you. Christ doesn't profit you again. Christ doesn't benefit you again. Christ is of no advantage to you again. Christ is of no effect. Now, the word of no effect, katagio, means to cut off or to separate or to sever. Hmm. 
So you are severed from Christ. That's what it means. Or you are cut off from Christ. Whosoever of you are justified by the law. You are, you are cut off from Christ. That doesn't mean you are not a believer. You are still a believer. But what it means is that Christ cannot flow to you any longer. So you are a believer. But you are drying up. No blessing comes to you. Because you see, what it means is that Christ cannot flow to you. The, way, the same way electricity cannot flow through a rubber. So when Christ is flowing, it doesn't, it doesn't work. So Christ cannot flow healing to you when you are sick. Christ cannot flow strength to you when you are weak. Christ cannot flow riches to you when you are poor. Christ cannot flow wisdom to you when you are at the crossroads. Christ cannot flow sanctification to you for your living. Now, this is what Paul is saying. He says, ye are cut off from Christ. Now, what does it mean? Whosoever of, whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are falling from grace. Now, what does it mean to fall from grace? The word has its own definition for what falling from grace is. You can find that in movies. Oh, this guy fell from grace. <laughs> According to man's standard, when you fall into sin, you fall in from grace. But that's not true. When you fall into sin, you have not fallen from grace. Can't you see what the Bible has said? No. When you fall into sin, there is hope and there is remedy. Because where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Because grace is the medicine. But when you fall into the law, it is worse. Because that's when you have exchanged Christ. Now, to be justified by the law is saying that I want God to accept me for what I'm doing instead of what Christ did. Now, I want God to accept me based on how holy I'm living instead of what Christ did. I want God to accept me based on how prayerful I am instead of what Christ did. I want God to accept me based on my evangelism, the way I'm winning souls instead of what Christ did. Years ago, I Whenever I win souls and I'm praying, I was confident in praying. Because I feel that God is now hearing my voice better. That is totally wrong. That is the law. You know, you are saying that God should accept you based on your evangelism because you are doing well. That's the law. It's the wrong foundation. Okay. You, you, you go like, I pray three hours a day. God now is accepting me. I'm in favor with God because I'm doing three hours. All right. So now your righteousness is your prayer. I prophesy to you that a time will come. You can only pray five minutes a day. <laughs> and that's how life is. <laughs> I mean, something will happen. And you know what happens? If you fall from three hours to five hours, you know what is going to happen? All your day will be messed up. All your day will be messed up because you feel like God has a problem with you. You feel like God is holding something against you because you have, you've not attained to the standard. So your righteousness is now shifting. So you can go days. You are not right with God because you feel that God is accepting you based on what you are doing. You are justified by the law. 
you are being justified by what you are doing. You are trading with, you are exchanging it with what Jesus did for God to accept you. You know, what Jesus did for God to accept you. You can even be living right and holy so that God, by that God will accept you. That, that, that holiness is not correct. Yeah, it's full of a comparison and a holier than thou attitude. Yeah. You think that now you are right, God should accept you. You know what will happen? It will shock you. You see others being promoted and you are at a standstill. Because you are being justified by, by what you are doing. You are trying to say that God should bless you based on what you are doing. Listen, even if you are doing right on earth, everything is right. Never put your confidence in that. Put your confidence in him. And of course. Never say God should bless you on the grounds of the good things you are doing. Look at what we are doing. God should do something. Or we've said enough. God should do something. Or, eh? All of this is the law. It is worse. It is worse. The Corinthians, look, the Corinthians were very stubborn. Because some of them were doing temple prostitution. The Corinthians. Because of Corinth. Now, Corinth was a wild place. Corinth was built by Julius Caesar in 44 BC. And he built Corinth in honor of Aphrodite, the Greek goddess of prostitution. So there were temples for prostitution where you can just go in. You know, it was built for everyone seeking sex vacation from the world. It was built to promote the sex industry. And Paul went in right there to establish a church. Uh-huh. And some of these members, once in a while, they, they would just go there. <laughs> but even for that, when Paul wrote to the Corinth, look, he was very friendly. He was very friendly. But when he wrote to the Galatians, Galatians he was wild. He even called, called them foolish. The Galatians had fallen under the law. The Corinthians were falling sin. But he was more stern with those who had fallen into the law. Because when you fall under the law, you have exchanged Christ. Uh, so he called them foolish and said, Oh, foolish Galatians, who hypnotized you? Who has bewitched you? That you should not believe the truth. Before whose eyes Jesus was evidently set forth. <laughs> oh my. Crucified among you. They didn't see Jesus crucified. They were not there. But Paul preached Christ in such a way that the cross was so real to them. Paul said it was evidently set forth. Prographo. Like a billboard. They were seeing it. They had revelation of the cross. And of grace. Praise God. All right, so now this is how to be justified by the law, earning and deserving it, the system of merit. All right, Galatians 4. Let's read verse 3 and verse 9. Galatians 4, verse 3 and verse 9. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements 
of the world. Now Paul calls the law the elements of the world. Now when you go to verse 4, verse 5, you know that the elements of the world speaks of the law. The law, he called the law the elements of the world. The word here, he's talking about the religious world, elements of the world. Now look at verse 9. But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how tend ye again, how tend ye again to the weak and beggarly elements where unto ye desire again to be in bondage? Say elements. Now in verse 3 and verse 9, he calls the law element. It's the Greek word stoikion. Stoikion. S-T-O-I-C-H-E-I-O-N. Stoikion. Why do you tend to the stoikion? What is stoikion? He calls the law the beggarly element. The stoikion. Now stoikion is the whole system of merit. What's the system of merit? The system of deserving. Do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. That's stoikion. When you do good, you get good. When you do bad, you get bad. Now all the religion, religions of the world use stoikion. The element. In the Eastern religions, they call it karma. Karma, reaping what you sow. Do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. Praise God. And the law of Moses typically is stoikion. Do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. Hallelujah. That is, and it is very powerful. It's the basic principles for living. Yeah, because when you do good, you get good. When you do bad, you get bad. But in human history, once upon a time, something happened. Now, Apostle Paul said that with a stoic canyon, you come under bondage. What, what is he really talking about? You have to go deeper to understand what he's talking about. In human history, something happened. Once upon a time, a good man came down from heaven. His name is Jesus Christ. He wasn't just a good man. He was the God man. Not just that. He is not just God. He is the good. <laughs> His name is the good. In Latin, we say he's the summum bonum. That means he's the highest good. Summum, the sum of all goodness. That is him, Jesus. He is essentially good, he is immutably good. That the name God is from, is from an old word which is actually the good. The name God. He is the good. Essentially good, immutably good. That is Jesus. But once upon a time, the good, the one who is good, did good but never received good. He did good. All the good there can ever be, but he received the bad. He received the bad. He went to the cross. And when he went to the cross, he received judgment and condemnation and curse and guilt and pain and sickness. So, now, the story canyon is violated. Do good, get good. But this time around, the good, the one who did the highest good and who himself is the highest good, actually did all the good and received the bad. And everything was set in motion. So that we who are bad cannot receive the good. 
We call that grace. Grace. We call that grace. Now to him that worketh is a reward not reckoned by grace, but, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifies the ungodly. Justifies the ungodly. You know what that, it means to justify the ungodly? The word justify, the kaiosune, means you are a righteous man who has never sinned. How can God justify the ungodly? Why? The good receive the bad, that those who are bad cannot receive the good. So now, it is not meriting and deserving. <laughs> it is receiving something you never deserved. It is favor we never deserved. Praise God. That's what we call grace. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, the Bible said, For he became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He was made sin for us who knew no sin. Now I want to do a little illustration. I need two people to come for a little illustration. He was made sin for us who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Can one stand here? Doc, can stand here. Man of God, can you stand here? You know, in those days, when two people are entering into a covenant, that's how they stand. Like the way God entered into covenant with Abraham. So they stand this way. And normally, there are animals they kill on the left and on the right. Covenant is bricked, which means to cut. So the, 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 the animals are actually slain into two. And they are lying on their left and on their right. And what they do is that they walk and exchange their position. Now we see that in Jere- the book of Jeremiah 34, the princes of Judah entered into covenant with God. That's what they did. And Abraham also. That's what happened. Praise God. When they exchange their place, it means that now, all that you have is mine, and all that I have is yours. Praise God. Now, on the cross, there was a holy transaction. Something happened on the cross. Now, the good, Jesus, the Bible says that he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. The sinless, blemishless, spotless Lamb of God. He knew no sin. In him is no sin. That's Jesus. Now look at what, what he did. And that blessed holy covenant. This is Jesus. So he came and he took your place. Now, when he came to your place, thank you, when he took your place, all that you deserved came on him. All that you deserved came on him. Not what he deserved. All that you deserved came on him. Now, you are born in sin. What did you deserve? The wages of sin is death. You deserve death, condemnation, judgment, curse, guilt, damnation, divine sentence. Everything you deserve came upon him. And he received it all and exhausted all of God's wrath. Every judgment came upon him, stroke upon stroke, 
until all of God's wrath was satisfied. So he took your place and received what you deserve. When that happened, God is inflexibly just. And impartial justice, he sits on the throne of inexorable justice. When that happened, after he took your place, justice required that in that blessed holy covenant, you also take his place. His death brought us into judicial favor. So that now, when Jesus was here, he received all that you deserved. True or false? So that now, the believer in Christ is brought to his place so that he can receive all that Jesus deserves. Praise God. So now he has come to the place where he is receiving all that Jesus deserves. So all that Jesus deserves is not the believer's allotment. We call that grace. So that you have now been brought to a certain place. A certain place where you are joint heirs. Soon cleronomos. It means equal owners. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. Romans 5. We have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, he took my place that I might take his place. Which place am I? The Bible says we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. Where we stand now is called grace ground. Now we are standing on favor ground because he took my place. That is where we are now. See, I'm on favor ground. Which favor? His favor. What he deserves. The Father has now given it to you according to his justice. And the good news is that into this grace wherein we stand the word stand in the Greek is in a perfect indicative active tense perfect tense means that we, we are not standing there temporarily perfect, perfect tense means permanent result <laughs> you are forever in that place called grace ground you are in a place where you are favored and you don't deserve that kind of favor. You are enjoying the favor only Jesus deserves. It's the Father's allotment for you. Now, this kind of favor, people experience it temporarily. Esther experienced this favor. Esther's favor was received this, that kind of... In the Old Testament, there were people who experienced this kind of favor. But it was temporal. Esther experienced it. Joseph experienced it. Daniel experienced it. But for you, you are permanently in that place. Favor ground. We stand on favor ground. Hallelujah. That's what he has brought us. And we never ended, we never deserved it because he took our place. 
the justice must see that will take his place so today the measure of our true worth is him it's him so you must always say I'm on grace ground everything is mine everything is mine I'm on grace ground hallelujah thank you very much thank you praise God say I'm on grace ground now look at the prodigal son the prodigal son went away wasted his father's resources he went into righteous living and all of that and um, he decided he, he just thought of coming back home why did he go back home he was going he was going back home not because he had seen the error of his ways not because he had missed his father you know why he was going home because he remembered that his father has enough food that his father's servant had enough food to spare so he was going because of his stomach not because of the error of his ways not because um, not, not because he had missed his father because he, <laughs> hallelujah so he sat down and rehearsed his speech he said I will go and say it was a rehearsed speech so as he was going <laughs> he had planned his speech <laughs> Uh, the Bible says he didn't see the father but the father saw him afar off in Luke 15 20 he saw him afar off and ran that, that's amazing now in the book of Deuteronomy 21 from 18 to 21 the story of the prodigal son is there if you have a son who is prodigal and rebellious and a glutton and you know all of that you take him and bring him before the elders and the Bible says that they take stones. The elders of the land take stones and they stone him to die. That's the story of the prodigal son in the Old Testament. So they stone him to die. So when he was coming, he had rehearsed his speech. <laughs> so what he deserved was what? Stoning. Now he had done the bad. Stoic Ion said, do bad, get bad. Now Jesus is illustrating to ask the, the father's heart the man was you could see that he was oh, time after time scanning the horizon to see when his son will return the Bible said the father saw him from afar and ran and what excites me that the word run there are different words for run in the Greek some of the words are the word run is for marathon 5,000, 10,000 but the word run is the word for heat 100 meters 200 meters so the father actually ran he ran to meet the rebellious son. And he ran, the Bible says, and when he got to him, he embraced him. And the, way, the word he embraced him is the same word used in Acts chapter 10 in the house of Cornelius when the Holy Ghost fell on, on the house of Cornelius. The Holy Ghost falling upon them is the same Greek word for the father embracing him. So the Holy Ghost embraced them with the father's love. Then the father kissed his neck kissed again and again the kiss of the neck is forgiveness of sins in the bible the father kissed his neck before he said anything from his mouth before he opened his mouth when he saw all of that love then he was convicted and he said ah father I have sinned that was a true repentance why because 
or despises thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. That was when first was a rehearsed speech. By this time, when he saw the love, he truly repented. That is why the more you see how God good is, the more you can truly repent. <laughs> yeah. So the father embraced him. He said, bring the best robe, Christ and righteousness, and bring the shoes. He was walking barefooted. Servants walked barefooted in those days. Only sons wore shoes. So he was restored to sonship, but he came to be a servant. The father took his ring. That was, took his ring and gave it to him. You know what it means? The ring was a seal. It was used to seal businesses and all of that. It was like a visa card today. All of your wealth was in the seal. So it's like your son has messed your resources. But you, he comes and you give him your ATM card. So who was prodigal? Is it the father or the son? It's like the father spoiled his son. It was too much. This, the guy was still your resources. But now you've given him everything. You've given him access to all your wealth. You took your ring and gave it to him. In those days, when people buy stuffs, they don't pay with cash. The wealthy, they take their seal on their ring and they just seal on a clay slab. So everything the father had was given to him. Hmm. The bad received the good. The elder brother was offended. He said, no, it cannot be. This is a scandal. This is totally unacceptable. It cannot be. He was totally offended. He can't accept this anyway. Hallelujah. That's the scandal of grace. Hallelujah. Man cannot accept it. It's a scandal of grace. Do you know what Jesus has done? If you were to know fully what Jesus has done, can you accept it? Ask your neighbor, can you accept it? Can you accept it? What Jesus has done? Now, it is like you are a worker and let's say you receive 8,000 Ghana CD a month and your boss says, oh, for this whole three months, you are not going to work. I'm going to pay you 100,000 Ghana a month. Just relax. Just sleep. When other workers hear it, when they hear it, this is an offense. They are going to go. This is a scandal. Unaccepted. It cannot be acceptable. It's a scandal. Brethren, Jesus once said in Matthew 18 from verse 21, he spoke of a king who had a servant and they were owing him. And uh, one was brought who was owing, owing him 10,000 talents. And he demanded that he himself should be sold, his wife should be sold, his children should be sold. And because he could not, he begged. And the man forgave him. Jesus was illustrating the father's forgiving heart. The man forgave him. Do you know what Jesus was talking about? How much was he owing? 10,000 talents. Do you know 10,000 talents? That was a measure of his son. Now, among the, the Jews, the Greeks, and the Romans, I mean, they, they, they used the penny the drachmas, the denarii. A day's work, a day's pay was the penny. You work for a whole day, you get a penny, one. To be able to pay for a talent, a talent was a measure of unit. You know how much days you would have to work 
You need 6,000 working days to get one talent. Yeah. You need 6,000 working days to get one talent. And a guy was owing 10,000 talent. So how many days <laughs> did he have to work to be able to pay for his sons? The mathematicians. The mathematicians. No. Yeah, 600 million working days. So he needed to work for 600 million days to be able to get the money to pay. My brother, my sister. (laughs) Our days on earth is not up to 600. And the Father forgave him. Jesus wants you to see how much you have been forgiven. He says, my little children, these things write I unto you. He said, I write these things unto you that ye may know that your sons are forgiven for his name's sake. 1 John 2, 12. And the word forgiving is in a perfect tense. You know perfect tense? Imperfect tense means that if something is imperfect tense, it has to be done again and again and again. But perfect tense means one permanent result. It cannot be repeated. When Jesus said, it is finished, it is finished. In the Greek, it is in perfect tense. It cannot be unfinished. It is finished once. He says, your sins are forgiven. That's perfect tense in the Greek. Your sins are forgiven once and for all, past, present, and future. Six, six, 600 million working days is forgiven once and for all. That's a scandal of grace. How can it be accepted? But it set men free. Let me show you another scandal of grace. The Bible says, even as David describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputed righteousness without works, saying, Blessed is he. Now let's go to Romans 4, verse 6. I was waiting for you to catch up with me. Romans 4, verse 6. Look at it. Unto whom God imputed righteousness without works. <laughs> God says you are righteous, but you have done nothing. The next verse. Saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. The next verse. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Wait. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Jesus' death was an overpayment for all our sins. You have to concentrate on the value of the sacrifice. Then you'll be at peace. Look at what he says. The Lord will not impute sin. Let me go deeper and explain this word. Will not. Now the word will not in the Greek, it's a certain tense. It is called future middle. It is used in the future middle voice it's very necessary you understand so you appreciate what god has done future middle say future middle it's in a middle voice now middle voice is it means that the one who is carrying the subject who is carrying out the action himself becomes the beneficiary of the action i'm kicking the ball i'm, I'm performing the action but middle voice means the ball I'm kicking is for my benefit. 
because I'm going to enjoy the, the result of the kicking. That's God middle voice. Hallelujah. That means the, the one carrying out the action is the beneficiary of the action. So, blessed is, is, is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. For God not to put sin into your account is for his benefit. <laughs> you think it's even about you? It's for his benefit. <laughs> for God not to put sin into your account is for your benefit. If God puts sin into your account, you know what he has done? He has violated his justice. Because in his justice, every sin was put on Jesus. His eyes saw every sin, past, present, and future, and put it on his son, Jesus. For God to put again on you what he put on his son will, go, will be an infringement against, will be travesty of justice. Justice will be a charade. So God, not imputing sin, not putting sin into your account, is for his own profit. Say, blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not. <laughs> now, the word not is emphatic future negative in the Greek. Now, all of this causes you to see ah, the wonders of His grace. Emphatic future negative. When the believer sins, God doesn't put it into His account. That's what He's saying. Emphatic future negative means that, you know what it means? That's how it is read. This is how you can read it. Blessed is the man on whom the Lord will never, never, not by any means, by no way, put sin into his account. This is a scandal. <laughs> this is unacceptable <laughs> by the legalistic mind. <laughs> Let's go to the next uh, verse 6. Look at verse 6. Even as David described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputed righteousness without works. The word imputed is also present tense in the middle voice. If God put righteousness into your account, it's for his benefit. If he declares you righteous, it means he himself is righteous. If God declares you unrighteous, he's declaring he himself is not righteous. You know why? <laughs> he must be just to declare you justified. Now, God respects what Jesus has done and is fully satisfied. He's fully satisfied. As a result of that, He took your place, He took His place. He's putting, imputing righteousness on your account. If He does it, it is for his account. It is for his advantage. His profit. He has done something right. That's what it means. And it is present tense. He's constantly imputing righteousness to the believer. Morning, afternoon, evening. Hallelujah. That's how much you have been forgiven. That's why the Bible says the Holy Ghost in Hebrews 10 Let's see Hebrews 10 verse 15 to 17. Hebrews 10. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he has said before. The Holy Ghost is a witness in us and a witness to us. 
in us, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of, children of God. But He's also a witness to us. What is He witnessing to us? This is the covenant which I'll make with them after those days, says the Lord. I'll put my laws into their heart and into their, in their minds will I write them. The next verse. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. The word witness is like a witness in a court of heaven. The Holy Ghost saw all your sins being put on Jesus. He saw him being punished for every one of them. In judicial sense, God today cannot remember them. And the word no more is emphatic future negative. It says, no more means previously he was remembering. But now, no more. Not in any way, by no means. His holy eyes cannot see. Cannot, his holy mind cannot, cannot remember what he has already punished for, been punished for. That's amazing. Hallelujah. Praise God. The scandal of grace concerning our sins. So we can save him. A certain pastor was doing ministry well and he said he fell. For three years he has not been able to preach because he said God has forsaken him. Hallelujah. Praise God. He needs restoration. Praise God. The elder brother of the prodigal son was offended. Why will my father do this? Why will he do this? Why will this guy be blessed? Anytime you are under envy and bitterness, it means you have come under the law. The sign that you are under the law is when you come under envy, under bitterness, jealousy. Because I have been in this church for a long time. And we've been faithful. But this person just came and uh, look at how he just got a car. Look at what is happening to his life. So you are envious. You know why you are envious? Because you have come under the system of merit. You are saying that you've said enough to end a blessing, but you've never gotten it. He has not said enough to end that blessing. Why has he gotten it? That is the ground for your envy. That's the law. But if we're under grace, you know God can do anything for his children because Jesus paid for all our blessings. So we rejoice with each other for what God is doing amongst us. <laughs> amongst us. Because we are no, we are not serving to end the blessing. We are serving because we have already been blessed. And there are some people, they want God to bless them because of how holy they are living. I know so don't be holy. It's our calling. But if we're living right, holy, to be blessed, you know what is going to happen to you? All right. So how about if the blessing has not manifested, manifested, and you see other people struggling, what you say is this. Oh, look at them. If they were holy as I am, they would have been blessed as I am. That thought alone is on holiness, you know, you understand? <laughs> uh-huh. Or when you get a blessing, you said, oh, it's the result of my holiness. They are not holy enough. If they were, they could have been blessed as I am. That thought alone is on holiness. 
That is why these things are the Canaanite principle, the butter trade. It becomes an insulation for Christ to benefit us. You always must point to him with thanksgiving. Point to him. Point to him. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Galatians 3 verse 5. Galatians 3 verse 5. Verse 5. He therefore that ministered to you the spirit and worketh miracles among you. Does he do it by the works of the law? Or by the hearing of faith? Now, it's a question. It says, he that ministers to you the spirit and worketh miracles among you, does he do it by earning and deserving it or by believing and receiving it? Okay. Now, the word ministereth is the word epicorigio. What does this verse mean? Epicorigio, in ancient world we have a kind of a group performing artists. That group was called the chorus or the chorus. Yeah. In that performing group, they do a lot of things. Drama, singing, acting. That was called the chorus. Now, the choragus was the sponsor, the leader. The one who sponsors them was called the choragus. So if we're a member of, of the group, Every need you have, the Kragos will pay for it. If you need the instrument, he will pay for it. If you need clothing, he will give it to you. Transportation, he will give it to you. A place to sleep, he will give it to you. The Kragos was a sponsor. Anything the members needed, he lavishly, bountifully supplied to them. Praise God. Now, that's the Greek word, ministry. It's the word epicorigio. Now, epicorigio means supplying all the needs of the chorus by the Kragos. So, it has to do with supplying needs. So, you can read it this way. He that supplies all your needs by the Spirit. You know, he that supplies all that you need, all your needs by the Spirit. And the word, literally, he that is constantly supplying all your needs by the Spirit. <laughs> That's a Greek. And constantly working miracles among, among you. Does he do it by you earning and deserving it? Or by you believing and receiving it? Hallelujah. That's what he's saying. It's not by the works of the law. You can't earn it. You must believe and see what Jesus did. He accomplished it and embraced it. And that is it. Now the word epicorigio is where we get the word choreography. You know, choreography is like a series of actions and movement. That's choreography. Series of actions and movement. Now, he that supplies you actions and movement by the Spirit. Now, the Holy Ghost supplies us as actions and movement so that you are in the right place at the right time in the will of God. Saying the right word, doing the right thing. That's a supply of the Holy Ghost. Uh-huh. So he that is supplying this kind of thing to you, how does he do it? By you earning it or deserving it? Say no. By you believing and receiving it. Believing and receiving it. Look at the next verse. Even as Abraham, now he's using Abraham as an example of what he just said. 
The word even ask means just ask. So Abraham is a case study, an example of what he just said. He said, just as Abraham believed. So what he's going to say, Abraham didn't earn it, <laughs> didn't merit it, he believed. Believe means it has already been done. It's answering to what Christ has done. Even as Abraham believed, and it was counted to him for righteousness. I thought he would say, even as Abraham believed, and he had miracles in his life. Because he's talking about miracles. But Abraham believed and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Why? Righteousness is the embodiment of all blessing. Proverbs 10 verse 6 says, the blessing is on, on the head of the righteous. The blessing of Abraham is righteousness. That's the blessing of Abraham. It's one, righteousness. Hallelujah. Praise God. My brethren, every good thing has been given to us. Jesus paid for it. Jesus paid for your health. You don't need to struggle. You don't need to struggle. He has already paid for it. Yeah. He has already paid for your health. So serve God faithfully because of you love him. Don't serve God as a payment for your health. He's paid for it. Jesus paid for a good husband for you. Paid for a good wife for you. He paid it. What you have to do is to abound in thanksgiving. Thanking God. Praising God. He did everything for you. Hallelujah. Anytime you try and end, you have supplanted Christ. Those who try to end by hard work, they can't even please God. Their lives cannot please God. They have a lot of struggles in their life. Those who are fully embracing His grace, fully with arms open, what Jesus has done. Take time and find out one by one what He gave you, gave you in His death. Meditate upon it. Receive it. Praise Him for it. And you see how beautiful your, your life will be. Hallelujah. All the system of merits is dissolved by grace alone. By His grace alone. Hallelujah. I want you to know that your sins have been forgiven. The Bible says that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Your sins have been forgiven. God sees you righteous in Christ Jesus. You are righteous in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Now when you read it in English, there is therefore now no condemnation. But you know, in the Greek it's not like that. There is therefore now no. Now the word no is u, O-U in the Greek. But the word here is hmm, udis. Udis is from two words. U and heis. Not one not one so literally there's down therefore not one condemnation <laughs> against those who are in Christ Jesus hallelujah Jesus did it all for us you have to be free from the burden of guilt free from the burden of condemnation the more free you are the more freely you can save him that's the life he gave us the more you can save him acceptably Grace produces true holiness, not pseudo holiness. The true holiness that blesses God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Jesus is an overpayment for all that we have. Overpaid. Now, anytime you are struggling, just say, I'm under grace. Come on, say, I'm under grace. Say, I'm under grace. Yeah. Whichever area you are struggling, you say, I'm under grace. 
I'm under God's unend, undeserved, unmerited favor. Christ is constantly supplying to me. Hallelujah. Lift up your voice and glorify his holy name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The grace of God that brings us salvation. He has finished it. 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 By one sacrifice, he has perfected forever those who are sanctified by one sacrifice. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There is not one condemnation. God will not put sin in your account. To his holy name be glory forever. Mama, 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 mama. Shackles are broken. Bondages are broken. Mental bondages are broken. You are free from guilt. In Jesus' name, the Son of God. Shiba Barati. Mama Shabbatala. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He won the victory for you. Do you know that the Father now is entitled to treat you as He's treating His Son? Only if you can see by revelation. You are in the Son's place. You are on grace ground. He has granted unto us all things that pertain to life and God godliness. Through the knowledge of him, the knowledge will cause you to inherit what he has for you. You are on favor ground. No curse can prevail against you. You are in his place. Can you believe it? Blessed is she that believe it. For there shall be a performer. Can you believe it? If you believe, you become. The father is pampering you like a son. You are in the son's place. Equal heirs. Equal owners. He treated his son as though he was treating you. He didn't spare on the cross. He forsook him, turned his back, brought all the judgment on him. Today he's treating you as his son. That's what justice demands. See yourself that way. See yourself that way. See yourself that way. Don't bring works. Don't bring works. Don't bring works. It's not about aiming and deserving. It's about believing and receiving what he has done. Hallelujah. Give him the praise and the glory. Thank you, Jesus.